Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle L. Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. Super Bowl 58 will be a repeat of Super Bowl 54. Let's just hope that what occurred post-Super Bowl 54 does not occur post-Super Bowl 58. Ray Flowers, as you know, four years ago when when Kansas City and San Francisco met, uh, Kansas City winning that Super Bowl, uh, very quickly after that, the world was plunged into a shutdown. So let, let, let's hope we avoid the aftermath of this rematch between the Chiefs and the 49ers. Yeah, I was talking about it with my lady yesterday, and she's like, eh, I don't really remember. And like right before COVID, oh, yeah. Like oh, it, that it, one, yeah. It just wiped out, you know, it just wiped out everything, which is good as Niners fans because they lost, right? So we forget about it. But, uh, yeah, it's it's rare that we get such a, a close proximity of years for kind of a rematch. Yeah. Uh, and uh, let's hope that there's a good game last time. Let's hope it happens again this time. Too. I, I feel for a lot of people that Super Bowl was kind of their last uh, hurrah with a lot of friends or at Super Bowl parties or getting with big collectives of people <laughs> for quite some time. Uh, I think it's going to go better. Just a prediction here. Uh, two months from now, we, we won't be you know, growing out beards and having Zoom drinking parties. Again, let's hope not. Um, if we are, Ray and I will still be here. We welcome you to Fantasy Sports Daily. Kyle Elfrink here, Ray Flowers there. Hopefully everybody had a wonderful weekend. Uh, we certainly enjoyed it. It was a busy one on my family side, doing all sorts of crazy things, but I did get a chance to watch the games. Uh, Ray, to recap, ready to get you set for the Super Bowl. Uh, Ray now begins the two weeks. So I hope you've got uh, something to uh, entertain us with uh, for the next two weeks leading up to this game. Sure. I sometimes feel like, you know, because we, we try to keep the show, we try like 50 minutes to an hour each day because it's consumable and all that. Sometimes I feel like we should go 130. Uh, I don't think there's no. many times where I think we should go 40. So I think we'll be able to, to cover cover the hour each day. Well, up the Super Bowl. It, luckily, we got a lot of baseball and Ray and I can talk a lot of baseball. So we will be doing that. Uh, we still have some coaching positions open and uh, we're still taking a look back at uh, 2023 in the NFL. So plenty of things. To keep us busy. What is keeping us busy today? Well, of course, we will recap what went down on Sunday. A, a fairly epic comeback by the San Francisco 49ers uh, to topple the Detroit Lions. Uh, Kansas City continuing their dominance. And although it was just a seven-point win, it really seemed to be dominating for the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. Uh, then we will shift gears and get you into baseball. Obviously, we've been doing this for the last couple of weeks. The draft guide is out over at fantasyguru.com. Um, each and every day, for the most part, we have been spotlighting a column, um, or at least a thought, from one Ray Flowers. Uh, today, we got a biggie. What's wrong with fantasy baseball in 2024? Uh, Ray, are the things that are wrong this year different from the things that were wrong last year? Has, has a lot changed? I don't think a lot has changed. I think we've <laughs> seen it, uh, if anything, the festering boil has popped. Um, so it's kind of a continuation of, uh, but there's some troubling things that, uh, that we're seeing out there. So looking forward to talking to the folks about it. So hopefully we can turn that around, at least stop the bleeding, if not outright, turn it around. Uh, well, one thing that might be wrong is the lack of first baseman. Uh, this week we will, uh, start up our positional preview of first baseman for the upcoming year. Last week we did catchers and we'll go position by position each and every week. Um, as usual, we uh, begin the discussion by reminding you who were the best at the position last season. And on a Monday, we ask the one big question, which is, is this spot as weak as it seems 
that is the question that we will try to answer. Um, also, and this one is uh, entertaining to me. We got a lot of young guys getting a lot of big money, but is it always the smart move? Uh, Detroit gave a teenager a lot of money up front. Um, I say it's incredibly team friendly, like hugely team friendly. Some people dispute that, but Ray and I will talk it over. And hey, the Oakland A's. I don't know. Is this our last year, Ray? I don't even know what the situation is. Is this the last year that they're the Oakland A's? Is that probably the plan? I think that's the plan. As far as I know, and I honestly will admit I haven't you know, looked at everything. I don't think that they're coming back. I don't know where they're going to play next year. I don't think that's been decided. So there have been a lot of rumors like, oh, they'll go just go play at night. They're not playing at Oracle Park, Pacville, whatever the hell they're calling. They're not playing there. It's not happening. Uh, the, 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 Ray's going to barricade the doors if they try. Well, to they fought for so long. You know, there's baseball rights, move, you know, rights for everything. And the Giants have been kind of kind over the years, but there's a limit. Um, I, there have been rumors that they, you know, the A's are going to have to play at a minor league stadium, which mm -hmm. I think, I mean, yeah. I think that's what they're going to have to do because I just don't, there's not a facility available that I'm aware of that they'd have access to. Does Sacramento have a minor league team, Ray? Do you know off the top of the, your the head? Stockton Ports used to have it, Stockton, so it's nearby, Stockton Ports, but that's, you know, God knows what the clubhouse and everything looks like there, you know, so yeah. we'll see. Maybe they can go to Reno, you know, kind of go halfway to Vegas or something. You know, um, they could. Well, regardless, the reason we bring up the now for the time being, Oakland A's, is they actually uh, made a free agent sign. <laughs> How about that? So we'll tell you who that secret man is. Uh, before we get into all this, Ray, um, we should start with, uh, we still have football coverage because, hey, we're covering the Super Bowl. We're breaking it down from a betting perspective, especially. I think a lot of that stuff will be out this week, certainly in the next week. Mm -hmm. uh, but Ray, in effect, people can still get a football package. And that might sound weird to people, but there's still plenty of football to discuss over at fantasyguru.com. There is. And we dropped the price yet again. Uh, it's now $29.99. And what do you get for that? You get the Super Bowl preview. Uh, you get the, the gambling guide, if you will, uh, which I think on its own was $29. So you get that. That's part of the package. You get all access to the Discord so you can ask questions about you know, gambling, DFS, seasonal mm -hmm. decisions, if you're doing one and done or playoff formats. It gets you all the seasonal coverage that we have for football. It gets you all the DFS coverage that we have for football. It gets you all the betting coverage we have for football. And it also gets you the franchise mode, which is kind of our off-season look and things, especially focusing on the draft. So there's, there's a lot there. Uh, if, if you kind of need a little teaser as to what we have to offer at FantasyGuru.com, looking ahead to 2024, the full season, or if you just want to keep going right now, the package, the all-in package for football is $29.99. And we will talk about that uh, baseball preview mag when we get the uh, opportunity here in the next few minutes. But let's keep it rolling with football. Let's get into the uh, topic du jour, Ray, uh, which is the Super Bowl matchup is set. Going to be a fun one in Vegas in a couple of weeks, the Chiefs against the 49ers. And we'll start by recapping what the Chiefs pulled off, Ray. It's uh, pretty damn impressive, you know, making it to the AFC Championship. And then, uh, what is it, four Super Bowls in five years. Uh, I think if they were to win this Super Bowl, uh, I would turn them a dynasty. Um, I, I think some people already are with, with their level of success. Uh, but, Ray, I think actually the big topic, because we got two weeks to talk about the Chiefs and getting there, it's Lamar Jackson, is it not? I mean, and, and I, you know, Lamar Jackson is a perennial topic of conversation, whether it's real-life football or fantasy football. And in fantasy football, Ray, um, I think you and I have been very, very, very consistent on our uh, thoughts on Lamar Jackson. That as a fantasy player, because of the ability to run, um, he's totally fine. He's he's good. 
um, as a real life quarterback, uh, there's still some things lacking. And every year people want to just jump on board and say this year is different. And now he's passing and look how good he is. And look at these games, which, uh, you know, newsflash, uh, every year Lamar Jackson has played football. He has had games where he's popped. He has had games where he has flashed as a passer and looks like he's a good quarterback. Uh, but Ray, there is always that nagging suspicion that he's not good enough and you can shut him down as a thrower. And if you get lucky enough when he's running around to shut him down, you can beat this team. And we saw it yesterday with a phenomenal defensive effort. We've we got to give credit to the Chiefs. But, Ray, I, I think Lamar Jackson is obviously kind of the topic here and in what everybody's discussing coming out of that loss by the Ravens. Yeah, and I, it's really interesting from a global perspective here because, you know, I've seen some of the reports that are out and some of the thoughts that you're talking about here in the, the, the aftermath right after the game. And it's like – He's going to win the MVP, but he he can't throw the ball. It's like, how do you, I, I'm just, I'm so confused as to how everyone keeps saying he's going to win the MVP, win the MVP. And he gets in a game where, you know, like we've talked about, you got to do, I don't know what a quarterback does, throw the football and you struggle with it. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's not, like you said, it's not surprising to us. I don't think it's really surprising to people that have looked um, in depth at this at, for any degree beyond he scores 25 points for my fantasy team. You know, he, he's, there's, there's things he can't do as a, as a passer. There's things he's never going to be able to do as a passer. And if you face a strong opponent like they did yesterday in the Chiefs and you don't have a couple of pop plays, which they really didn't, you know, there you go. I mean, I think it's really shocking whether you thought the Ravens would win the game or not. Like who predicted 10 points? I mean, they didn't mm -hmm. they didn't move the football. They didn't produce points. Um, you know, they had a couple of key mistakes and that was it. But yeah. Um, you know, this was a game where, you know, Patrick Mahomes didn't have a huge effort, but watching Mahomes play and, and control his offense, watching Lamar play and, and control his offense, I mean, it's light years apart. You, to yeah. you totally saw yesterday what the difference is between these two guys. And, and let it be known, Ray, I'm not saying Lamar Jackson can't win. I mean, hell, they were the number one team in the AFC this year. He's yeah. this is not, and, and Ray, it, things could have gone very differently yesterday. If yeah. Zay Flowers lands in the end zone, maybe we're talking about the Ravens and, and surviving, you know, the, the torrent of pressure by the Chiefs. But it didn't happen. And, you know, again, I, I don't think this is, oh, Baltimore made a mistake signing Lamar Jackson or he's no, you know, this is not that case. Quite simply, Lamar Jackson is a good quarterback who is a, a bit below average throwing the football. Okay. Now he's super above average in, in running the football. So, you know, there are very few guys who are great at both. You know, <laughs> Steve Young was really good at both. Uh, not many others uh, have pulled it off. And, and Ray, I, I think the other aspect is I don't know if it's really getting better like every, and it, it hey, it, it's improved. It has improved for Lamar Jackson. Um, I don't know if it's a weapon thing. You know, I, I think a lot of people thought, oh, give them the weapons. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. And, and they have invested in weapons. I mean, Zay Flowers uh, looks to be fairly legitimate, had a career best day um, against the Chiefs, 115 yards. Mm -hmm. um, I will note, you know, um, Mark Andrews, two catches. He played, you know, kind of a miracle that he was out there. Ray, it'll be interesting. I was looking, I I, I saw it. he's $17 million. Um against the cap next year, but I don't think a single dime of that 17 million is guaranteed. And I, I just wonder, do you keep Mark Andrews for 17 million? Like you could literally cut him and have $17 million to spend elsewhere. If you're the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. And Isaiah likely is a very athletic tight end. Who's had success in this offense, you know, operating in this offense. So, I mean, it would seem almost incomprehensible that he wouldn't be, with the Ravens at the start of next mm -hmm. season, but there could be restructuring. There could be, you know, let's sign you to an extension. Let's move the money around that kind of thing. Is Mark Andrews worth $17 million? In my opinion, no, not with this offense. They'd be better off 
having likely be their tight end and spending $8 million on two wide receivers or $17 million of making a wide receiver spot. They'd be better off, I think, as a team with that combo than keeping Mark Andrews, you know, fiddling around with, you know, let's run plays this way or that way to get likely involved and still struggling at the wide receiver position. But to your point, you could bring in tons of wide receivers. There are still things that the offense is not going to be able to do through the air. It's just how it is. Uh, really surprised that both Gus Edwards and Justice Hill were really shut down. Um, you know, well, Justice Hill was fine, but he didn't get much work, and they just couldn't really sustain drives uh, throughout the game. The first half was an absolute mess for Baltimore. They showed a bit more life in the second half, but still they come up short. And, you know, Ray, on the Kansas City side, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes. And it, it's it, this year, one of the more crazy developments, Ray, is the Chiefs keep winning, and obviously they're back in the Super Bowl. But we're just not getting the numbers for Mahomes. And um, still dominating, but the stats aren't there. Like yesterday, they get the win, but obviously only one touchdown and didn't get the 300 yards. And I, I just wonder, and is this year like a one-off? Or is this kind of the, the, the spot that Patrick Mahomes is settling into? You know, to where he he's really, it's almost like he went from, on a scale of one to 10 as a QB who gets you stats, he was a 10. And now Ray, he's gone on a scale of one to 10 that gets you stats. It's like a seven and a half. And it's kind of crazy that the stats have really fallen off for him. Again, Chiefs fans don't care. They're winning, but fantasy players, I, I wonder, I, I think most people will say, dude, he's still Patrick Mahomes and he's still good for 35 40 touchdowns i can get 5,000 yards but this year he has not come close to those marks no he hasn't he played 16 games this year and if he had a big 17th game you know if he threw for 320 yards and three touchdowns he would have gone 4,530 which if that's a bad season right you're in the hall of fame obviously exponentially but i i don't to answer your question i don't know because when you're it's almost like in the past sometimes, right? It was so much about Patrick Holmes. He had to do it, right? He, he had to fling the ball. He had to stretch the field. Now it's like, look, we got a good defense. We can run the ball effectively, even if it's not great. I'm going to not manage the game, but I'm going to more manage the game than open things up. And it will be interesting to see. I think the answer to your question is completely upon what they, based upon what they do in the offseason in terms of personnel. Because you can win a Super Bowl thrown for 5,000. You can win a Super Bowl thrown for 4,200. You know, you're winning games either way which is the best way based upon the way your team's constructed. Mm -hmm. um, I, I am never in the market for either of these two guys, Ray. Mm -hmm. I, I might take Jackson in a fantasy league next year if I were in that market. Uh, that might be the direction I go. I, I feel that the Chiefs um, will trend more this direction uh, than I fear that the Ravens will, you know, lasso in Lamar Jack. I mean, he's... I just think those pop games are still there for Lamar, maybe more so than Mahomes nowadays. They certainly were this year. Yeah, and maybe, and it's really interesting. I think one of the things that you look at, it's a fair it's a fair point. The pop game's a fair point because, again, we don't record scoring properly for quarterbacks. We don't. We never have. I guess we're never going to. No one has any desire to change. They'd rather have a quarterback that throws for 192 yards, get more points than a guy that throws for 325, fine, whatever. Uh, Lamar is the only – for all the goodness and the greatness and potential MVP and all that, he only had 29 touchdowns. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not – and there's still that, is he going to play 17 games? So if you're in that market, I think you can make the case for taking, you know, Lamar Jackson and then grabbing Jared Goff or taking Lamar Jackson and grabbing Kirk Cousins, right? Like get that stable veteran, the Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins mode and whatever, right, to cover up the five games, the four games that Lamar Jackson's going to miss. 
Um, but I just, you know, I think it comes down to cost, really, on draft day. And there, there are pluses and minuses to both guys. Yeah, we'll see where uh, the cost is as we uh, start to look ahead towards August. Uh, let's see, Travis Kelsey, big game, 11 catches. He, he's really come on here late. It was a quiet season for him, along with Mahomes. Um, he has looked at his game, 11 catches, nine of them in the first half. He had the smooch heard around the world after the game. Um, that we're calling it? That's what I'm calling it. I, I only know, Ray, because I did see a photo of it. I, yeah. I did not stick around to see it in live action, and I'm not on Twitter, so. I didn't see it. Their, their lips actually touch, right? They're they're legit now. They're like I believe yes, I believe so. official. It's a, yes, it's yeah. official. Correct. I believe that's it's true. If it wasn't at first, uh, twenty-eight touches for Isaiah Pacheco. That guy loading up touches. Rasheed Rice eight catches. Amazingly, thirty-six touches between those two. One hundred and twenty-eight total yards, which is you know not what you look for, but it's good to see those guys getting the work. Seventeen to ten, Kansas City with the win, and then Ray we had the nightcap, uh, which was a tale of two halves. Uh, the first half totally belonging to Detroit. The second half totally belonging to San Francisco. Um, I, I thought all around, Ray, it was kind of an entertaining game. I, I think for a fantasy player, the number one thing that kind of stood out to me is what the hell is Jamison Williams next year? Because, because Ray, he gets two touchdowns on three touches. Mm -hmm. For his career, 34 touches, six touchdowns. We, we know he's a high-end draft pick. We know he missed a lot of time. We know... He has been drafted. He has been picked up, and it never works. But you you see the moments, like <laughs> you can see what the Lions uh, were thinking when they made him a top ten overall pick. I should add that Mister Drop, Josh Reynolds, is a free agent. Yeah. I think at the end of this year. So I, I think Jamison Williams is a guy. It'll be fun to see where he kind of lands in the receiver pool. If indeed he kind of becomes that second guy next to Amon Ross St. Brown in this offense. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because you have a you have a rough parallel on the other side in Debo Samuel. Like you see the Lions, they want to get they want to get the ball in Williams' hands, right, in in space, and they want to get it whether it's through the air stretching the field or giving him handoffs. You couldn't beyond that comparison. You couldn't get more difficult. Like you go, and, and Williams falls down, and you know, Debo Samuel over two hundred fifty pound linebackers. They're totally different in that respect. And that's the thing with me with with Williams is, you know. Is he ever going to be with his style of play? Is he ever going to be a volume receiver? And I just I don't see it. You know, I think he's in the hold your breath, folks. He's in the Gabe Davis zone, right? Yeah. He's going to make these huge plays and have these big touchdowns. I'm going to try to get him the football, but at other times, one quarter, two quarters, a half a game, he's just not really going to touch the football. But he is extremely explosive and dynamic. Uh, we have to remember a couple of things. One, if you're talking about the receiving core, is going to change with the Lions. Two, Ben Johnson is going to be the head coach for. Commanders, I guess, or somebody. So they're losing their OC, which is another big hit to the offense. So he will be a fascinating player because, to your point, there have been extreme moments of wow with Jamison Williams. But I think there needs to be a little bit more substance to it before we get overly excited, though that's probably not going to stop people. I need to correct the course because uh, I, I fear that uh, I'm the only person who starts talking about this game and I start with Jamison Williams. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> probably, Kyle. That's probably fair. Okay, let's talk about Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Ray, he was McCaffrey, but but for like a DFS or fantasy player, that Elijah Mitchell touchdown just got me feared. Now, you still got 130 yards. He got two touchdowns, so you're getting greedy. But greed would have been good to get that third touchdown from McCaffrey. Yeah, I was watching the game with my lady, and when the play happens, he gets tackled right near the goal line. She goes, did he land on his head? I'm like, yeah, I think he did. And they showed the replay, and he's right on his head. Mm -hmm. And then you showed him saying, you know, 
he was on the sideline smiling and everything. I didn't hear any reports that anyone was concerned, but I, I assume it's because he landed on his head. They wanted to get him out of the game, give him a breather. And I called the play. I'm sure everyone else in, the, in, the, in their living room did too. They watched touchdown Elijah Mitchell, handoff touchdown Elijah Mitchell. I mean, it was – and she goes, what's wrong? I said, well, you know, a lot of people were playing Christian McCaffrey. He Controllers around okay. the country are flying into the wall as, as yeah. they're thrown across the yeah. room. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, again, he had two touchdowns, over 100 scrimmage yards. He was all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, that was – it wasn't as bad as last week when Craig Reynolds got the touchdown for the Lions on his one-yard carry, his yeah. only touch of the game. But it was still something that we all went shucks. Brock Purdy, solid. Uh, I, I even thought the first half he was good enough. Uh, obviously, the, the Lions were rolling, but Purdy uh, coming up with big plays, big scrambles in the second half. 31 pass attempts by him, 17 of them. Uh, going to Debo and Ayuk. We had Tyler Beaker on the show last Friday, and he was all in on Ayuk. He was fairly quiet. He had the big catch, kind of the crazy reception. Uh, but Debo Samuel Ray was out there and looked fine. Um, so that's good news. You know, we were kind of worried about his status going into the weekend, but uh, he was totally in use and kind of looked like the usual Debo for this offense. Yeah, and I love when they opened up the second half, and it was Debo, 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 and he's mm-hmm. he's yelling, "Let's go!" Like you could he you could tell how much of a leader he is, you know, energy wise and obviously performance wise on the field. And, you know, that game was, I mean, again, my lady said, are you going to go on the show yesterday and say the and I, exact phrase, but the Niners play like ass. She kind of took my, my terminology in the first <laughs> half. And then they, I go, yeah, they did. Like I'm looking at next gen stats. And it was like the, at one point, the lions, I don't know how they figure this stuff out. Lions had like a 91% chance of winning the football game. And one of the big keys in the second half was obviously the Niners avoided the turnover, but it was Debo Samuel, and I and I think we saw it again. And we had we've had this discussion here recently. Kyle is the most important guy in this offense, Debo, or is it CMC? Like I think you can make arguments in both directions, which is pretty damn oh, fascinating. I'm still a CMC. I know, oh, but yeah. you they got they weren't doing anything in the first half. What happened? They give the ball to Debo Samuel. Here we go. They mm-hmm. didn't do anything when Debo Samuel's out of the offense. They're struggling. The offense isn't working. Debo Samuel. I, you know, yeah. it's, it's a combination. It's both guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, is. it's impressive. Yeah, very impressive. Uh, George Kittle, pretty quiet in this game. Uh, San Francisco defense, I, I again, they, they got turnovers, and that really helped the cause in the second half. But, gosh, Ray, I thought they looked bad <laughs> in the first half, like totally sleepwalking almost. Like we mentioned Jamison Williams, but, you know, Gibbs, it, it just seemed like Detroit was shoving it down their throat, which we have not seen much at all, if ever, this season against the Niners. Yeah, they talked about it a lot on the broadcast, and I think it's accurate that the Niners, you know, would get out to 10-point leads, and that changes the complexion of your opponent, right? Mm-hmm. And we've said this all along, and you you point this out all the time. Well, they're great they're great against the run. And then you're like, well, look, it's 4.8 yards a carry or whatever. It's just the volume. And so the, 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 the defense, in some respects, hasn't been tested as well or as strongly as the numbers suggest. I think that uh, Hufanga being out, he tore his knee ligament and everything, the strong safety, that's really hurt the back end. And we've talked about it. Everyone's talked about the defensive back end. And, you know, if they don't get that pressure on the quarterback, you can pick apart the the defensive backs. And we saw that yesterday. I mean, that first half, that looked like, and let's give the Lions credit, they're a really good offense. That looked like the Niners carving up every opponent this year. Mm -hmm. And that's shocking to see the Lions because those guys – they were talking on the broadcast. The guys are open by 15 feet over and over. It looked like the Niners doing it. So, yeah, they had a great game plan. It worked in the first half, uh, and they just unfortunately couldn't sustain it. But that Niners defense, you know, the Chargers, excuse me, the Chiefs could do the same thing. Just because yeah. the Chiefs haven't been going for 303 with Mahomes, 
Like they can't scheme this thing up. They got two weeks to figure it out, and both sides are going to have to go back to the drawing board in some respects. Hey, quickly, I know a lot of people questioning Dan Campbell in the fourth down. I got zero issue with it. I, I, it's what he did all year. That's Dan Campbell, and you know, some people say, well, it's the playoffs, and one. I, I really don't care. I'd rather just do what I am, and that's their attitude. Um, so I, I got zero issue. I mean, did you, it, Ray? They were both like people act like a fifty-yard field goal is an easy, you know, or forty-eight, whatever it would have been. Right. I mean, those aren't. Those aren't easy, especially on natural turf with a guy who's no good from 50. Like Badgley is is terrible from 50 yards. So it's I, I had no issue with Campbell going for it there. Well, and they kicked it later, too, when they were down near the goal line. You know, they picked up that. So, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times there's a lot of people that come on late. Like if you're watching this team in week eight, like this is like you said, this is how they play. You're watching the team in week 12. This is how they play. This is them. And that's how they got there. And. You got to keep going. And the broadcast talked about the joke about the rest of 30, right? Like they, both teams were expecting the other team's offense to have success against them. Uh, and so you do what you do. And, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. I hate it, but it's true. Uh, as for the Super Bowl, it's kind of a pick em. Um, The number I'm looking at, San Francisco favored by one uh, over under at 47 and a half. So uh, we're expecting a tight game. Uh, we shall see. A lot of time to uh, go through things. Game in Las Vegas, by the way. If you did not know. So there's your final two, San Francisco and Kansas City. Uh, let's break away from the football. i uh, got another half hour or so here to really dive into the baseball. And we may need a half hour here on Fantasy Sports Daily because Ray Flowers is uh, going to take over and tell us what the hell's wrong with fantasy baseball in 2024. So as we sit gears before we get into that discussion, uh, Ray Draft Guide up. Enjoy it. More columns, I guess. More columns out today. More columns out over the weekend. Uh, people need to get their hands on this sucker, right? They do. Yeah, we updated the top 50 rookies for 2024. We'll talk about that later because of the contract signing. We updated that on the weekend. Uh, we got a sabermetric primer that's available now so that people can kind of get a handle on all these fancy numbers. What do they mean? What's useful or not? A review of ballparks because obviously the park factors are, are an important thing here in baseball too. Uh, an article went up this morning, and this is kind of in the should of week or should we week. Uh, and by that, I mean, should we replace wins in fantasy baseball. That's an article that's up today over at the site. And all the articles through the preseason, through the regular season, all of them, the Discord access, all of that is available at fantasyguru.com. FSD to zero, FSD 20, get to a 20% discount on the product. And it's early bird pricing now. So if you get it now, it's the best time. The closer we get to opening day, the higher the price goes. And um, I don't know if so much our crowd is uh, a part of this next conversation, but Ray, kind of what you're talking about here, the season long package ties in. So what we're going to talk about, um, and quite simply, again, uh, Ray's got a column, what's wrong with fantasy baseball. I should note, this is not what is wrong with the game of fantasy baseball. Now, Ray's got other thoughts on that, how we could improve the game of fantasy baseball. This, Ray, is more about, you know, we say fantasy baseball, but it might be what is wrong with, A, the sport of baseball, and how, B, is that affecting fantasy baseball? Because as you kind of dive into um season long especially it's just a tough get to get people on board for six months anymore isn't it yeah that there's that series of articles that are this week the should we articles and again should we replace wins in fantasy baseball that's what's wrong with the game of fantasy baseball how do we make it better this like kyle said i think correctly directly is more of a holistic look at where we're at and i think that that comment there, it's, it's, I think the comment of the season is too long. 
is probably the number one issue. Now, I may be wrong on that because there's, there's multiple issues, but I think that's one. And I find it really interesting because if you look at the games played, obviously you get 162 here, you get 82 in basketball and hockey, you get 617 in football. The season is twice as long as the other two major sports and then you know 10 times as long as football. But on the calendar, there's not much difference. Mm-hmm. Basketball, hockey, and baseball are almost the exact same amount of weeks. Almost exact. They're like all within a week. They're, it's the same swath of the calendar. The difference being the volume of games. And, you know, I think that, and you could see it on the screen there, that the world is different now than it was in 1995. It's just, it's a different world of mediacy. You've got a computer in your pocket with your phone. You know, you, you get your, everyone's doing six things. Like we, in the old days, we'd watch one game. Now we got a game on the TV, a game on the computer. We're on our phone looking at stats. The world is just a different place. And, in some respects, baseball doesn't quite fit into that new world, Kyle. Um, and and Ray, I think it is generational. Um, you know, both you and I are in our forties. We're not old guys, but you know, we we grew up um, as I correct me, Ray, if I'm wrong, but baseball fans first. Not that we didn't enjoy the other sports, but baseball was the was the number one thing. Now it was very easy for me to be that way. My dad was a huge baseball fan. The Cardinals were pretty good. Um, at least in the 80s. They actually sucked in the 90s. People forget the Cardinals in the early 90s were terrible. Uh, now, Ray, you were a Giants fan pretty well when they were terrible. <laughs> you know? my, my entire life growing up, they were the first yeah. 15 years of my life. They were awful. Um, and and I think I, I totally get it, Ray. And if I like I've got a, a little guy who will be five in April. Um, he knows base, we have baseball on and he knows it's a sport. And obviously he's in St. Louis and you know, you're, you see things even as a five-year-old, oh, the Cardinals, but Ray, he's totally gung-ho on hockey. Mm-hmm. And I get why he's gung-ho. Hockey's like got ice. Mm-hmm. It's got hitting, it's got noises, you know, it's, it's something that's moving and quick and, you know, there's not much competition, at least here in St. Louis, for a viewer's eye. You know, so I it, and Ray, I take you know, if you dropped an alien here on Earth and you said watch a baseball game, watch a hockey game, the hockey game naturally comes to you. Like I get it, they're trying to put the puck in the net, and maybe I don't know all the rules and what all the lines are, but I get it. You know, it makes sense. It, baseball, Ray, is like to you and me, it is not to our audiences, it's not, but mm-hmm. it, it's a sport that you got to. First thing, first put the time in to even learn what the hell's going on and kind of what the sports are. To us, that seems, oh, this is simple. But I I have found, Ray, uh, on the occasions where I've had to explain, like, what's going on, it can be kind of weird to explain what's going on in baseball because it is a little foreign. It's not a naturally... Uh, conducive sport to understanding it immediately, I guess. Well, I think they're uh, like, I remember explaining hockey to people offsides. What the hell is offsides? You yeah. mean you can't do it. So there, you know, every sport. My, my son now knows I, very simply. Here it is. You can't go past the blue line until the puck goes past the blue line. So he's figured that out. Yeah. That, and you're right. The offsides is a little wonky. Um, I'm still the one I can't figure Ray, And I never have. And I think if I played hockey, I'd know. I don't know how you get thrown out of the circle on a faceoff. Like, is that just the ref saying, ah, you're, you're too aggressive, you're bad? Like, I don't know what the rule is, yeah. but anyway. Usually you move before, and the, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're always moving before. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you're you're right that, I mean, is it, does any game really make sense? I mean, really? Like a rugby scrum, I was watching a movie the other day, and they had a rugby scrum, and like everyone, what the hell are these guys, like, shouldn't the ref blow the whistle? They're all just running into each other. There's all... Basketball of- makes total sense. Basketball is so easy yeah. to figure out. It's soccer as well. Those are easy to figure out. Right. 
maybe boring at times in my opinion, but yes, it's easy to figure. Uh, yeah, it's it's tough because I think that more than the, the rules are difficult, I think it's really the the pace of play that's that's difficult. Because even in soccer, which to me is boring to watch, okay, mm-hmm. and I've seen and before anyone says you've done, I've watched probably a thousand <laughs> hawk soccer games. My my brother was a keeper; he was all state and growing up. You know, like I've seen tons again. And it's nothing, nothing, nothing. But then you get the, like the crowd gets in it. And there's that moment in baseball. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, like there's not that, you know, that crescendo, if you will. And I think that's part of the issue. It's just, it's a slower paced game. Back to my original point, that's for a world that's fast paced. And, you know, for those people that remember the old days when, you know, you used to get ice because you didn't have a refrigerator. You used to listen to the radio because you didn't have a TV or my hands up, you download an email and it would take 50 seconds to download an email. Like when you remember those kind of things, you baseball's got an appeal, but to a lot of the younger folks, it just doesn't. And it's not going to really change. I applaud the, the switches they have made. I know you don't agree with many of them. I, I actually have been pretty pro on the rule changes for the most part. Um, I don't have an issue. They're trying to, to do it, but the game is the game. I think for for getting people involved in fantasy baseball, Ray, the biggest hang-up, and it ties into to the length and the season, the, the biggest hang-up is why would I you know, be stuck with this team for six months and have to put in all the work for six months whenever I can just draft a new team every single night? I love baseball. I, I just want to build a new team and look at eight games instead of 162 games and you know, I can just play on a Tuesday night. I can skip a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I can come back. Like the DFS and the wagering thing, Ray, they're great compliments or they were great compliments. Now they're they're kind of the ball of wax, I, I think. And, and now the compliment is season-long fantasy baseball. That that's the, that's the distinct minority here of players. Yeah, and I think that for the good of fantasy, the DFS world is perfect because it – ties into the world and the speed and all that. And, you know, I think that it's nice. It's nice to have options, right? You can play head to head, you can play points, can play like we should have all these options. I think that the DFS space is also intriguing to people versus the seasonal, because when you, when you talk to people that play seasonal, one of the biggest complaints is injuries and the impact that injuries have, right? Like you draft a good team and it's May 17th and you got nine guys on the injured list and it's like, well, crap. Everyone's got five guys on the injury list. I go to the wave where there's no one to pick up. Like I'm getting jazzed because Kiki Hernandez is there or Enrique now, I guess. That's so people get frustrated with that. Whereas DFS space, your team sucks today. Who cares? Go to, yeah. You're back in, you know, you know, Clayton Kershaw's on the hill for you today. Yeah, it sucked that he blew his arm out yesterday, but I'll just pick up Dylan Cease tomorrow, right? So I think that that style of gameplay kind of fits the era we're in right now. And it also fits in the way that the sport has gone, which is unfortunately – uh, turned so heavily into a a game of who's got the best 40-man roster versus who's got the best major league roster. You know, one thing I was uh, thinking about as you were speaking there, and I, I don't even know if this is doable, but uh, Ray, I, you know, everybody, I have a home league. Uh, many people out there have a home league. Uh, I'm lucky enough to where most people, they've been in this league for 25, 30 years. They still love baseball, but eventually they're all going to be 70 and then we'll be looking for people to take over. But what I was saying for those at home leagues, you know, you want to have that kind of season long competition. And I, I just wonder, Ray, if you could get like 10, 12 people, whatever it is, and say, okay, we got 185 days in the baseball season, 180, whatever the number is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we, we will play a DFS style league and you don't have to play all 180 days or you got to play a hundred days. You get to choose the hundred days you want to play, whether it's in April when you want to go crazy, but we're going to total up who did the best. You know, everybody plays a hundred days. That's what you're limited to. You can backload them. You can go in the middle of it whenever you want. You can skip every Tuesday, but you got to play at least a hundred days. And, and I wonder, Ray, that would merge, you know, the DFS and season-long world. It wouldn't require you to play the whole season. I'm not speaking to Ray Flowers here. I'm speaking to the public. I, I think that would be kind of fun, Ray. I, I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe there's a, a huge hole I'm missing. But it would be a season-long DFS battle, and it wouldn't be every single day. Because as you noted, these other sports are just as long, six months, five months, whatever it is. But they have big gaps between games, especially with football. This would allow you to create your own gaps. If you're going on vacation for a week, mm -hmm. I'm just not going to play. You know, And I'm not going to mm -hmm. lose my spot in the standings. I That would maybe be a way of... Heck, I should probably trademark the I can't trademark an idea. Well, I should probably do something and just build a website that, that allows this. You could well, you can even have a, an idea, and this is uh, I'll say it to this way to the listeners, the viewers. We are working behind the scenes to try to figure this out. Okay. Uh, and we've been working on this for a while now. We're we're not meeting, we're, we're meeting some resistance, let's put when we put this idea out there, and I don't really know why. You could even do a seasonal setup where let's say the season's 26 weeks long. Your team has to be active 18 weeks mm -hmm. and you can choose whatever the 18 or the 26 you want. If you want to do like that, because then you could take a vacation here, vacation there. So there are, there are different ways to accomplish what you're talking about. Monthly Roto leagues, half season Roto leagues. There, there, there has to be different ways to do this because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the space is, we kind of get in a bubble. The space isn't shrinking. I think almost as many people, and I, you, no one can know this, I think almost as many people play fantasy baseball as they did 10 years ago. What I think is happening, though, is a lot of people in our sphere, the people that go to fantasyguru.com or that listen to SiriusXM or that are on social media, those people aren't. Those people are finding different ways. They're going toward the gambling mm -hmm. or the DFS world. So the seasonal aspect for that group is kind of shrinking. But, you know, there's still a lot of people out there. And I, I think you said it yourself, Kyle, it's the aging out thing. Like, I think 16-year-old kids still get together and start a fantasy league. They have a home league for 10 years until Frank moves and Jennifer gets married and Oscar decides to join the Peace Corps and it just the leagues fall apart. I think we're doing Oscar, that a little bit. what are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, I know. Come on, Oscar. <laughs> Peace Corps. I love that. I don't know anybody who ever joined the Peace Corps. I don't Corps. either, actually. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the Peace Corps, kids. If you're looking for something to do, uh, play fantasy baseball and join the Peace Corps. That's, yeah, yeah. that's our recommendation today. Uh, columns up, right, Ray? With, with kind of more delving into these thoughts and such, people can hunt it down on the uh, on, on the draft guide, right? Yeah, they can hunt it down the draft guide. And it's, you know, it's thousands of words. It's not like we have a little bullet point kind of thing here on the screen, but it's thousands of words. And, you know, I encourage people to read it and don't go in all pissed off and angry because I, I hear that response, oh, baseball is fine. And it's, it's there's issues like and we can put our head in the sand and ignore it and the issues will continue to snowball and it'll get to the point where you won't be able to find a league to plan yeah so you know let at least take a look at it consider what it has to say and then uh, then if you have any constructive thoughts hit me up in discord yeah. uh, again we're working behind the scenes trying to figure something out for this season to help improve things. If you've got any thoughts, let me know in Discord. Well, yeah, a lot of good thoughts, you know, in the chat room. I see mm -hmm. them uh, from um, Ivan, D-Money. Mm -hmm. uh, D-Money kind of mentions a, a league he's got with, with some folks. So 
uh, maybe some ideas there. Great, great stuff. Keep throwing them at us uh, as we uh, try to, to, to make it better. I will say, and I said this a lot last summer, uh, I enjoyed the hell out of uh, baseball and fantasy baseball in 2023. I thought it was better. Um, I, I applaud the changes. Um, so, and, and I've been a lifer just like Ray. Um, and it kind of did get the juices uh, flowing again. So let's keep it up, I guess, as we get to 2024. Maybe eventually there'll be a, a bit of a turning. Uh, Ray, let's get to our positional breakdown uh, for this week and for today. We will be profiling all things first baseman um, as we go through the week. Uh, today, we start with kind of a quick recap of what went down last year and also hit you with our one big question. Uh, Ray, first off, what went down last year? Your top 12. That's an interesting list. And again, some of these things can be flip-flop. You know, it just be, it depends on your, on your league. Uh, and probably the big one, Ray, would be who do you have as one and who do you have as two? Because Matt Olson and Freddie Freeman are, are one, two, and depending on your scoring, maybe one scored higher, maybe the other guy's back. But Olsen, Freeman, one, two, with a bullet. I mean, those guys were dominant last year. Uh, then Bellinger, Pete Alonso, Christian Walker sneaking into the top five. Yandy Diaz, how about that one at number six? And this was even crazier, Justin Turner, who, who had first base qualification, um, is in there. Uh, does he have a team yet, Turner? No, still a free agent. Yeah. yeah, still a free agent. And he was a top seven, top eight first baseman. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Spencer Steer, who you can use all over the place, um, Vlad Guerrero, Bryce Harper, who only played two-thirds of the season, and Spencer Torkelson kind of made a move up the charts. Uh, so, Ray, that is a very interesting top 12 with some givens, uh, but also some old or surprising names to be found in there. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of the, the same thing every year, right? Like we we do have those guys that in the old days they hit 32, 33, and gee, nowadays 36 is the new 32, right? A lot of these guys hold on a lot longer. Uh, we've got some young, stable guys at this position for power. We've got some young, stable guys at this position for batting average. We've got risers that kind of showed up last year. And then we've got the mid-level 32-year-old guy that I was kind of talking about at the start that's just good. Uh, and so it, it's a nice mixture at this position, at least. It's a nice mixture of kind of a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, obviously, we'll we'll dive in this week to the depth of the position. We'll talk about it to, starting today and all that. But there, there are quite a few options and directions you can go in. Some speed, some power, some batting average. A lot of directions to go here, Kyle. You've got a little more of a exciting take on the position than I do. Well, I'm an old first baseman. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Yeah. yeah. Uh, category leaders uh, in a five-by-five, it's Freeman or Olsen. Literally every category. Uh, Freeman led an average 331. Olsen and Homer's 54. Olsen and Ribby's 139. Freeman and Runs 131. Freeman and Steals 23. Right, give me the likelihood of Freddie Free. Is he going 20 steals again this season? <laughs> I, I'm saying oh, a successful season for him is 13. Yeah. So I I I mean, last year's 23 was out of nowhere. And I think doubling that up would be even more shocking than him getting there once last season. What was his previous career high? 13, I believe. 13, okay. And that's in his 14th season as a major leaguer. He goes for 23 steals. How many guys set a personal best in the steals column in their 14th year? When they play 150 games every season. Yeah. 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 Uh, we may get into this later in the week, but Ray Olson or Freeman, are you a Freeman guy as a top first baseman? I'm absolutely a Freeman guy. I've been a Freeman guy for years. I'm still a Freeman guy. Whether the 23 steals is 10 or not, I look at Olsen and Freeman. And for me, 
I love to get batting average early. So if we say both guys are stable, they're both guys are given an A grade and consistency, reliability. I look at Olsen, he's a 270 hitter, kind of in the best case scenario. I look at Freeman in a worst case scenario, he's hitting 300. So I'm yeah. taking Freddie Freeman. Uh, there's actually a third name that might be in that discussion, uh, Bryce Harper, uh, who's going to be back at first base again for Philadelphia. And Ray, that leads into our one big question. Um, appears to me this position is pretty damn weak. I, I don't know. Maybe you can convince me otherwise. At the top, Ray, I get it. You got Freeman, Harper, Olsen. Those guys are studs. Pete Alonso is a, is a fine player. You're always going to get home runs. I mean, he's he's clear cut good. Okay, so you're you're set there. And then Ray, I think you get into the the iffy parts. You know, you got four guys who are good, and then you know we've talked about Vlad, and it's one good year or a you know strong year out of five. You could say for Vlad, um, Cody Bellinger. I mean, his career is a uh, you know the Rocky Mountains, up and down, up and down. Paul Goldschmidt kind of looked old last year. You know, he had it really fell off from from what he did the year before. Um, I, I keep I get it, they're young and they're good, but like Spencer Steer, Tristan Cassis, and Spencer Torkelson, Josh Naylor, Yandy Diaz, these guys are like first baseman ones in drafts. It's I, I just see it, Ray, as a very top-heavy position with guys you can play and get decent numbers for. But I, I kind of struggle with the idea of anybody really exploding and becoming something special this year. Well, yeah, I think this is a it is a good and interesting position for the reasons you're you're talking about to think about draft day costs versus the return. Um, you know, would would most people, and I think the answer is probably yes, most people would say I'd rather have Spencer Torkelson than Reese Hoskins, as an example, right? Now, Spencer Torkelson right now is ADP at the NF NFBC is, you know, 119. You see him on the screen there. He's 119 overall. Reese Hoskins is over 200. Are they appreciably different? You know, if we're talking upside, it's Torkelson. I'll give you that. But are they appreciably different? No. So you start playing that game of how far do I push this thing down? Like, is Josh Bell in that zone? No, he's not. His ADP is 280. It's more than double Torkelson. And Josh Bell could go, you know, 270, 2285, right? Like, so it's one of those things where you have to determine where is that line that you're comfortable with? Where's the tier that you're comfortable with uh, based upon your league and the settings and all that? And what, is, what are you shooting for? Because there's, there again, I think guys like Reese Hoskins and Josh Bell are, are perfect examples. You're going to get what you're going to get. Are you going to get appreciably more? Are you going to draft this guy at pot 200 and he's going to be player 81? No, but they're going to be stable and give you something. Does that work? Or are you going to use the first baseman to kind of prognosticate out a little bit some level of growth? I, I think you can go with a uh, stable guy and then kind of take a shot on your bench with someone who could profile as a jump, you know, might be the case. I, I remember years ago, Ray, and gosh, it's probably going on seven, eight years now, maybe 10, you know, when Trevor Story, uh, or no, Troy Tulowitzki, got the other Colorado, that, that long ago. You know, Troy Tulowitzki was the end-all be-all at shortstop. That position was going through, you know, they'd come out of the uh, Tejada, Garcia, Para, Jeter years. Mm -hmm. And then there was kind of a gulf of great talent. Now shortstop is back. You know, it's so we've gone through that up and down. But 10 years ago, Tulowitzki Ray was like a stud, number one shortstop. You knew that. And I remember the argument we had in fantasy circles in the industry was, okay, there's not many other shortstops. The positional scarcity. People would make that argument to Lewitsky and uh, put him up to, you know, number five overall, because now I've got the shortstop. And 
is that effect here at first base? Like, are you willing to say, gosh, I, I want to get one of these stud first basemen. Um, sure, I may not get stolen bases from Matt Olson. I'm not going to get steals from Pete Alonzo. You know, I may not get average from these guys either, but I won't have to mire through the muck, if you will, at first base if I go early with one of these top dogs. Yeah, I think like the example of Pete Alonso is a perfect one to talk about here. Pete Alonso, what does he do? He plays 150 games every year. He hits 37 home runs every year. He drives in 100 runs every year. He's not going to steal bases, and his batting average isn't going to help you. But the stability factor is like 100%. Like you, he's, and, and it's it's not elite, but it's a step below, right? But it's there. Is that attractive to you? Is that Are you willing to spend his ADP right now inside the top 30? Does that make sense? Because then you have to start asking yourself, how do you build the roster? Where are you going to find your speed? Where are you going to find your batting average? Does your league use corner infielders? Is it, you know, how deep is the out? Like all those kind of things have to factor in. So you've got the stability of a power hitter there. You, you drop down a little bit. You've got Vladimir Guerrero, who inarguably has more upside, but his floor is a little bit lower than Pete, you know, Pete Alonso, right? So then you have to judge that. Then you go down to the next guy in ADP. It's Cody Bellinger. Well, Bellinger's got the most steal potential. He also has the most volatility, right? Because mm-hmm. he could, like you said, it's a yo-yo city, Rocky Mountain with him. He's got dual position eligibility. So I, I think it's really an interesting Again, it's a decision you have to make when you're constructing your roster. You can make pros and cons for even guys in the top six or seven at the position, which is kind of rare. Usually you think the top five, six guys, there's no real con, right? They're top five or six guys. First base does have a little bit of that pro and con thing going on here. Even Bryce Harper. like right. I mean, I got Bryce Harper last year in my keeper league. I ended up taking him in the ninth round. And I get him this year as an eighth-round player. Now, I'm all in there, right? He's the 95th pick in our draft or whatever. But if you have to push it further here, which is ADPs inside the top 20, are you willing to fully bank on not just health, but a return to who he was prior to the, the health issues? Yeah. I think yes. Some people think no. Majority of people obviously agree with the yes because it's again ADP inside the top 20. Well, and, and what would help this depth is some of those names I mentioned earlier taking that next step, like a steer, like a Cassis, Torkelson, Naylor, Diaz. I'm a little questioning of them, Ray. Uh, it, now, if two of them move up and become, you know, legitimate top eight first basemen, we're we're in a decent spot. They're young, they're good by that point. But I, none, none of these guys, Torkelson, like you see him there. It's it's going to be Pete Alonso light mm-hmm. kind of thing, I think. And and these other names are like the Yandy Diaz thing. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, like how it happened. I, I don't think Josh Naylor is all that good. <laughs> I don't. He had a very good hot streak. Cassis, I, I may have caught him at the wrong time because right early in the season, he sucked. He was really bad, Tristan Cassis, and kind of looks goofy at the plate. I, I'm not really – so, again, I'm a little down, I think, more so than you are. But of those guys, do you feel, like, really good about those younger first basemen kind of taking that next step or that gradual progression to – to next year we're saying, oh, yeah, th- this position is deeper because look at these 25-year-olds who who made that move in 2024. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the rankings at fantasyguru.com, no. Uh, <laughs> Cassis and Torkelson are back-to-back. Okay. Uh, I have Cassis, Cassis one spot ahead. Hmm. Now, and, and they're ranked uh, 10th and 11th at the position, so they're right at the bottom of the, the, the running uh, – excuse me, first base ones. And, you know, it's one of those things that I think – you say Torkelson as an example. Torkelson could be Pete Alonso light. I think that's a great way to say it. I also think that Torkelson could hit 40 home runs. He could. 
I mean, he's got, he was always drafted to be that guy. We saw him, mm-hmm. you know, last year establish himself in the second half, kind of like Casas too. Both these young guys struggled at the start. Casas ended up turning things around as we went on, ended up having a season that looks very much Anthony Rizzo-like, you know? So I think both those two youngsters in particular could take their game to the next level this year. I also think that it's fair to point out that, you know, the growth is not linear. We talk about this all the time. Growth is not linear. 850 OPS last year doesn't mean it's going to be 880 this year. That's not the way it works. But I think those two guys in particular, Torkelson and Casas, come with a little more risk than maybe you'd ideally want as your one at a position. But at the same time, if both of them repeat what they did last year, I think you'd be okay. And I think it's very reasonable to think they're a little bit better this season. Much more to come on the first base spot uh, throughout the week. Uh, Tomorrow, we'll talk about some of the surprises that emerged. Uh, Some of the guys we just mentioned emerging as surprising in their outlook for 2024 all week long. Nothing but first baseman here on the show. Now, speaking of that position, I got some news over the weekend. Chris Bryant. I'm going to say, Ray, he could strengthen the position. But my God, what is Chris Bryant? What's he got left? I don't even know. It it feels like half a decade since we've seen a healthy Chris Bryant, but it sounds like he's going to be the first baseman more than anything else for the Colorado Rockies this year. Yeah, and he does, he only played seven games there last season, so he's not going to qualify to start, but he does qualify in the outfield. So you'll have dual position eligibility there. I think it's a wise decision by the team, of course. Chris Bryant turned 32 like a month ago. Like he's still, mm. he should theoretically still be in his prime, but as we said when this deal, seven years, $182 million. When this deal happened, both of us went, ugh, like, you know, Colorado is not a great place for anyone that has had issues physically. It's very taxing on your body with the lack of oxygen and all that. And, you know, there was an organization that at the time, like, why are you signing Chris Bryant? Like, what do you, odd signing, odd timing, all of that. I think Bryant makes a great target this year because no one's talking about him. No one cares. Uh, what's his ADP right now? Kyle, let me look it up. His ADP right now is 274. Woo! So, yeah, take <laughs> At that point, yeah, take a shot, yeah. right? Like, he legitimately could hit 275 with 25 home runs. I don't think that. Um, so it's a good time to buy Chris Bryant just because the cost is so depressed here and hit, hitting into 2024. Yeah, part of moving him to first base is to kind of protect him, of course. Um, last year, we saw Minnesota try to protect Byron Buxton. He didn't play a single game in the field. Um, what did he play? 85 games by protecting him as a DH. <laughs> and, Ray, he, he says he's back to playing center field this year. <laughs> I think I've given up the ghost. I, I drafted Buxton in a few spots last year, but I'm pretty well done. Um, obviously, he's got the tools and the talent, but uh, health has just been crazy with him. Uh, speaking of help, Robbie Ray, uh, coming back from Tommy John surgery, he's now with San Francisco. They're hoping he throws off the mound in spring training. Uh, Carlos Carrasco got a minor league deal with Cleveland. Don't be surprised if he makes the team. Uh, he's 36 years old. Washington has added Joey Gallo, one year, $5 million. Uh, The Cubs getting Hector Norris, who had a very good season last year to help out their bullpen. Oakland signing Alex Wood, Ray. There it is, the big signing by the A's. Uh, what's Wood, 33, I think he is? Okay. Um, and he is a guy that you can uh, pencil in for 14 starts, and that's it. Right. Well, <laughs> they, well, they need him to make 29. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, a he's, 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 very, he's, he's very effective. Like he's, he's a very effective pitcher. Is he, is he a top end guy? No. Uh, is he going to repeat like his strikeout rate plummeted last year and his whip was one and a half almost like, I, I think he's better than that. So it's a good signing for the A's because they'll hope he has a good 12 starts and then trade him. Obviously mm-hmm. it's good for AL only leaguers. 
because he won't be expensive to grab. He's not a mixed league target, though, at this point. So veterans, uh, Wood, Carrasco, Gallo, all these guys uh, settling for deals because, hey, spring training starts in about two and a half weeks. So uh, everybody wants to know where they're going to be. Um, in closing, Detroit, um, kind of dealing with the other side of a career. Uh, Ray, I think it was yesterday, a 19-year-old prospect. His name is Colt Keith, who's a corner infielder. I, I, I don't know if they really, they probably consider him a third baseman just because Torkelson's at first. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, 19 years old. Uh, Ray, he gets guaranteed money. We've seen this with uh, some other moves. Obviously, Trio uh, in Milwaukee had the big one. Uh, this isn't to that level of Trio, but Colt Keith, Ray, six years, $29 million guaranteed. Um, and then on top of that, and this is the kicker, an additional three years of team control. So the first three years of his free agency have, in effect, been bought out. Uh, the team can also, like, set him loose in years seven, eight, nine for, like, $2 million or something. Um and Ray, I looked at a lot of people were like, oh, wow, that's really a good move for a 19 year old to get all this guaranteed money. It, it, it works out in terms of guaranteed, I think, six years, 28 million. Mm -hmm. And then years seven, eight, nine are like 10, 12, 15 million. Like there's a lot of money in those years. But Ray, I just don't know what a player or an agent is thinking signing this deal. I, unless you think you're no good. <laughs> like if you're good, even with arbitration, like if you go through that process, you maybe make a little bit less money than 29 million in their first six years, but you get to hit free agency after the six year uh, here, Ray, he could be tied to Detroit for nine years. And I think it would top out at like 80 million, mm -hmm. which hey, any of us would take that. But Ray, if he's worth a damn, he left a ton of money on the table. He doesn't even be an all-star and he left a lot of money on the table here. I think you have to be, a mentally strong person to accept a deal like this. Because what generally happens is you flame out and you made a great move or you have success and you feel like you're underpaid. Now, if you can say to yourself, look, as a 22 year old, I got a contract where I got $30 million, my family and I for forever, who cares, right? We'll burn money in the fireplace. John Singleton. Yeah, 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 right? And it didn't, it didn't work out for him. I mean, is would any of us, like you said, eight years, $80 million or whatever it would be, like that's phenomenal money. Now, if he becomes an all-star every season and he's the new Dan Ugla and, you know, he could be making $17 million a year, and yeah. But again, it's it could be $80-plus million. I mean, that, I think I understand both sides. I, I totally get it. If I'm a guy who's never had a major league at bat and they say, here, I'm going to guarantee you $30 million bucks, like I'm yeah. signing. Like, but, Well, if that were the – if that were it, right, totally – yeah, it's the, it's the club options. Years. Yeah, it's those club options uh, that I think are just where the it, it's like Acuna. I mean, Ray Acuna is making gobs. Of, I mean, I think he's seventeen million this year. But with his and he got what was a hundred million, I think that million. he got. Yep. But he gives up two years of free agency, and in those two years, he's going to make seventeen million in both of them, which is like. You know, let's assume Ronald Acuna is Ronald Acuna. That's like 40% of what he's worth in those two years. And then you say, well, he gets free agent. He's going to be 30 when he's a free agent. This is now four or five years down. Like, Ray, I get it. You want the money. Acuna took it. Uh, that contract was maybe three years ago. But, like, if he renegotiated now, mm -hmm. instead of 10 years, $100 million, he's getting 10 years, $400 million If he – so – and I, hey, let's not get confused. Um, Colt Keith is not Ron Vicuña. 
Yeah, I don't think he's turning down four hundred million down the yeah, road. Right. But he's not going to be in that spot. I don't believe. But I, 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 and I've never been in that situation, Ray. I don't know. But I hate the idea of Colt Keith giving away three years of possible free agency. Here. Well, and, you, and remember too, there's inflation, right? So the money's not worth the same as it is now. Yep. I think in I, I from the other side of things, like the teams sign these players to contracts and they give them opt outs. I'm not giving you an opt out. I'm giving you a contract. You're going to be here. We're agreed. If you don't want to be here in two years, you're not getting the contract. Get the hell out of here. That's how I would do it. Mm-hmm. From the other side of things on the back end here, like you said, if I'm the player or the agent, I'll give you six years. I'll let you buy out all my arbitration years. Here we go. That's fine. I'm not giving you my free agent years. Yeah. And if I'm giving you my free agent years, to your point, I want $20 million a year. Like I, So I love the 628 piece mm-hmm. for Keith. I hate, like you said, the other end of things, because if he plays poorly, the team's not picking it up. If he wants to stay there, he's got no control. It's a team's decision. Yeah. And if he plays great, the team gets a super bargain. I don't like that at all for the player. Yeah. Well, it's a happy day. You're 19 years old and you just made 30 million bucks, regardless. Like, <laughs> as long as you don't retire, you just got to keep, you got to agree to work the next six years or at least give the impression that you are working the next six years to get that money. Uh, we will be back to work tomorrow. We're done for today. Uh, Kyle Alfred Ray Flowers has been Fantasy Sports Daily. Huge thank you to everybody. Good chat room. I, I know we didn't, there were some questions there that we didn't get to all of them, but you know, we got the whole week to talk some baseball. And we'll, we'll be sneaking a lot of baseball this week just because there's so little football uh, and a focus on first base. And we'll start to dig into other things that are in the draft guide, keep you up to date on football, all that good stuff. May start to sneak in a little basketball and hockey uh, now that those seasons are kind of uh, becoming more of a game that is in town each and every night. And, of course, we've got coverage over at Fantasy Guru each and every day with cheat sheets and DFS write-ups, so make sure you take advantage of that. PGA is up and running, and uh, we've got you covered there as well. Uh, Ray, good stuff today. Fun to talk some football, fun to talk a lot of baseball, and we'll be back on Tuesday. Looking forward to it, Kyle. 11 a.m. Eastern, Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.